Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us with their annual season of hope. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve, the foundation will deliver mortgage-free homes to dozens and dozens of America's catastrophically injured veterans, fallen first responder families, and Gold Star families. Bring hope to heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. What is going on, Bellic Sports fam? It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, here another edition of FN Sports, the podcast where teachers grade sports biggest issues today as we enter the second semester of the school year or the new year if you're a lay person what we're going to do is going to grade some new year's resolutions or some second semester goals for a handful of your favorite teams as submitted through twitter but first before we get into all of that let's dive into some gold stars and detention first gold star goes to jaime Echenique. For those of you that are unfamiliar with Jaime, he is the first Colombian basketball player to play in the NBA. Echenique signed a 10-day contract with the Washington Wizards on December 30th, making him the first Colombian professional basketball player in the United States and in the NBA. Shout out to him. If you have not seen Echenique's press conference upon being called up for the 10-day, it's very, very heartfelt and emotional because he's the first person to represent his country in the NBA. His background is kind of extensive. You go back, he played first at Trinity Valley Community College, just outside of Dallas, Texas. Again, he came to Dallas, Texas, knowing very little English and going to community college, worked his way up to Wichita State before playing a little bit internationally and then eventually making his way to the G League and then the big league. So shout out to Jaime Echenique, gold star for making it and representing the country so well. Second gold star is going to go to the Cincinnati Bearcats. Now, I know people are going to rag on them as the first group of five team to make the NCAA college football playoff and subsequently being unable to score a touchdown. But I have to say, being a, you know, 21-point game with Alabama is as good as a number of Power 5 teams we have seen. We've seen Notre Dame blow bigger leads, Clemson blow bigger leads, and so on. We've seen these teams show up repeatedly and get blown out by 21 or more points. So Cincinnati fits exactly with the motif here. Alabama seems to be cruising. They played Georgia in the national title game, 
in a game that if you've been listening to the show, you know I wish was not happening. However, we all know how that one went the first time the two teams played, so I'd imagine Cincinnati's feeling pretty comfortable considering that they only had a 21-point loss to Alabama after some of the defeats that Alabama's handed out this year. With the exception of, like, Florida and A&M, obviously, that's as good as anyone played Alabama all year. Uh, Florida played them to a weird two-point game earlier this year. I guess you should throw an Auburn and the Iron Bowl rivalry in there as well. Again, went to a couple overtimes. And then A&M, obviously, with the big upset in Aggieland. But outside of that, Cincinnati played them as well as, bluntly, Georgia did in the SEC title game. So shout out Cincinnati for the great year and great performance on behalf of all power, I'm sorry, of all group of five schools. Gold star to LeBron James. If you've not heard, LeBron James is 37 years old. I do think what's remarkable here is he's officially been an NBA player for more of his life than he was not an NBA player, and I think that's particularly phenomenal. When you factor in that on New Year's Eve, his first game as a 37-year-old, LeBron tallied 43 points, 14 rebounds, and 4 assists on 61% shooting they've moved him to the five with anthony davis being out with some relatively minor injuries and it looks like lebron james is very very comfortable being the center of the offense he's a point center of sorts obviously because the way he creates things but he's really really fitting into that role very very well and it's interesting to watch lebron james age like a fine wine much like we saw jordan do in his Wizards days, even towards the end of his Bulls days, much like we saw Kobe Bryant do at the end of his days, the Lakers, you watch these guys go from freak athletes in their early days to now it's methodical, it's back to the basket, it's he can do post games and turnarounds and stuff from 15 feet away. The difference being that LeBron has also added a three-point jump shot to his game. On the season, LeBron is shooting almost 38% from the three-point line. That's kind of like guys like Kevin Durant, right? That's the same kind of three-point shooting percentage. For reference, Steph is just over 40. Like, this is upper echelon of the league three-point shooting percentage, and LeBron is also playing the center position at, like, the 6'9 and change he is, the 250 change he is. That's a big, big guy doing all the different things on the basketball floor, utilizing a whole different skill set than he would have been using 10 years ago as a member of the Miami Heat or five years before that as a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? This is a new evolution of LeBron, truly aging like a fine wine, and again, still putting up ridiculous numbers. The Lakers, eh, we'll talk more about them later, but LeBron James, gold star for continuing to dominate basketball. Sticking in basketball, we're going to give a gold star to Miss Becky Hammond. If you did not hear the news, Becky Hammond was an assistant coach on the San Antonio Spurs staff under Popovich. People kind of have thrown her name in the mix for a number of different NBA head coaching jobs. And while she's, I guess, been a finalist for a couple of those but not gotten any of those jobs, she just signed the what is reported to be one of the biggest contracts ever in the WNBA. It does not look like the numbers are officially being reported because she is going to finish out the season with the Spurs and honor that contract. It looks like it's going to be five years. And again, all reports are record-setting numbers. Shout out to Becky Hammond for getting the bag and going to coach in the WNBA. It's great to see those kind of contracts come out in the WNBA. She's going to be coaching the Las Vegas Aces. I have to say, that is a fun, fun group with like Asia Wilson and Liz Cambage, Kelsey Plum, a lot of fun, fun players. And to have Becky in the modern spin she will bring, because that's been the report in San Antonio, she's been kind of the push for modern basketball in San Antonio. It ought to be a great, great time. So shout out to Becky, gold star. Another gold star are going to go to both Stefan Diggs and Deshaun Jackson for honoring the late John Madden on their cleats. Since our last episode, John Madden did pass away, and he is an iconic member of football for whatever generation you fall into, whether that's the all men team, football, etc. Like the video game, that's the later, the more recent generations. He was a iconic head coach. He was even a player. Or if you're younger than that, if you're older than that, you remember back to his playing days. John Madden has been all football all the time. And while he has not been an announcer in the booth for a few years, his name has stuck with, for good reason, the football video game. And so his name will carry on and carry out throughout football's eternity. I really do think that it's interesting to see like what will get named after John Madden in his honor now that he has passed away do they name something like the all pro team or the pro bowl team the john madden pro bowl team or the john madden all pro team we'll see but i think it was an especially 
poignant thing to see him on so many different cleats and helmet stickers and so on, but Stefan Diggs and Deshaun Jackson really had intricate artwork on their cleats. Shout out to those two guys for honoring John Madden in that way. Our last gold star is going to go to a large group of people donating to the Parker Dickerson Fund. Now, for those folks that have not been keeping up with the story, ESPN Chicago's Jeff Dickerson did pass away over our winter holiday here. And while that is really, really sad, his wife had passed away a couple years earlier. They leave behind a, a young kid. I think he's like 11 or 12 years old named Parker Dickerson. And the NFL community as a whole, including a number of different franchises, the Packers, the Bears, the Seahawks, again, a bunch of different full-on teams, other owners, other reporters, big-time media people, a few few different Chicago Bears personalities and famous people through the city of Chicago have all donated a large, large sum of money to the Parker Dickerson Fund to help this kid out. The fund is up to about a million dollars these days, and there's all kinds of other like t-shirt sales going towards helping the kid out and those kind of things to help make sure the kid stays on his feet throughout what has got to be a rough, rough childhood. Obviously, the kid would rather have his parents back than any amount of money, but to see the outpouring love and affection for this young man following his uh, father's impact is really, really special. And shout out to all the people donating to the Parker Dickerson Foundation. It's really, really special. If you have not seen anything about it, I encourage you to go look up. Adam Schefter has been keeping people very much in the loop on this. Uh, he's constantly been tweeting about it the last week or so. Let's go check out what Shefty is saying. Gold star to everyone who donated. All right. Our first attention is going to be probably the most obvious attention from the weekend, but that's going to basically this entire idea that Kirk Herbstreit ended up being the voice that echoed this over the weekend, but this idea that college football players should be putting themselves on the line for all of these meaningless bowl games. So we're going to give it attention to Herbstreit for saying that this era of player just doesn't love football because of how many guys were opting out of major bowl games that were not college football playoff bowl games. I think it's especially interesting to note that this Herbstreit quote came while previewing the Ohio State-Utah Rose Bowl game in which Ohio State had a number of guys opt out of playing to be healthy for the NFL Combine Draft, etc., and still ended up winning the game 48-45. to It was a really, really fun, high, exciting, high-scoring Rose Bowl game. The product was not hurt. We all enjoyed the Rose Bowl. We saw record-setting performances by both quarterback C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith Jigba. And I, I have to say that Ohio State did all of that and all that fun, and the players that were opting to stay healthy and get ready for the pros got to do that. So especially with that game being the time that Hershey brought this up, I just think at this point that there are all these bowl games, that, with the exception of one, are all broadcast on ESPN. And you have one ESPN commentator say that, oh, well, they're just opting out of these all these bowl games that we're airing because they don't love the game anymore, as opposed to this idea that many of these games are meaningless TV fillers for TV contracts. NCAA college football and ESPN have a contract in which they showcase all of these games, and it is in ESPN's interest, and thus Herb Street's interest, to get the best kids on the field for those games. But that does not mean it's in those kids' best interest. Garrett Wilson is projected to be a top 15, 25, definitely first-round type of pick as a wide receiver. If he were to go across the middle and catch one bad hit in that Rose Bowl game, that could dramatically decrease that draft status that could dramatically decrease that first contract and we've seen so many guys in the NFL not make their second contract right this is not a guaranteed source of income these kids need to take care of themselves need to take care of their money and when they are being projected to do things like go in the first round of the NFL draft they need to make sure they're protecting that as well this Herb Street detention though really could get labeled or put on a bunch of people that have this old school mentality of, oh, back in my day. Like, back in your day, there were like five bowl games. All right, chill out, Herb Street. There's a bajillion bowl games now. Everyone with six or more wins gets to play in one. And frankly, we're seeing in the last couple bowl seasons that even a few teams that don't quite have six wins will occasionally get called up to play in one so we can put them on television. These are all money-making endeavors, and the kids, while they're making NIL money, are not making money from these endeavors. Yes, kids are allowed to make 
money as college athletes now, but they don't make it from the colleges or from ESPN, right? ESPN is paying the schools to put these games on television. That money does not go to the players. They get to do whatever they want their name, image, likeness, and that's a great thing, but they don't get to enjoy the spoils of this game. So why are they going to go play in this game, again, when it's not playing towards a college football national championship? If anything, I think guys like Herb Street and people that think like this need to consider themselves lucky that guys are playing in the college football national championship because, again, they don't like Cincinnati players don't get a cut of playing in that game against Alabama. Yes, they get some like national notoriety and they can hope that plays into some sort of a name image likeness deal, but they don't get money from Cincinnati for going out and getting beat by Alabama, right? Michigan players don't get any money from going out and getting beat by Georgia. Georgia players aren't going to get any money for going out and getting beat by Alabama. Even Alabama players for winning the whole thing don't get some sort of a bonus for winning the college football playoff. If anything, that anyone is playing in these bowl games indicates how many kids care about and love football. Because at the end of the day, it is not in Bryce Young's best interest to go out and play a bunch of football games before he starts getting paid for them in the NFL. We've all seen what he can do. We all know that he's going to be a great a great pro football player, or at least have as good a chance as anyone in college football does. So why is he out there playing? Because he loves football. Like I think that that's a really, really understated thing here is that there are so many players playing who do love football and it's clear that they all do because why else would they be doing this if they could clearly go make money or put their career on pause before going and making money anyway that's a long diatribe to say detention to herb street and while he's not the only person like this he's the person that said it over the weekend before the rose bowl so detention to herbs for that one Okay, and another detention that's kind of a blanket detention is going to go to both the nfl and the nba for their uh latest COVID protocols. When the CDC bumped the COVID quarantine down to five days, as controversial that was for a number of different reasons, but that's not for this show, that was for asymptomatic vaccinated people with the booster, right? Could go down from a 10-day quarantine to a five-day quarantine, and after those five days, you don't need to be wearing a mask, but you're probably okay to go out and do things with the mask on, and so da 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 Read the fine print, go to cdc.gov, read all the things they have to say. It is an interesting read. But in relation to the NFL and NBA, what they've done is apply that same standard to vaccinated and unvaccinated players, which is actually counter to what the CDC is recommending. And it's really a blatant money grab because what the leagues are putting up with right now is a swath of players from every team are unable to play because they're, even though they feel fine, are going through a full 10-day quarantine that includes yes i know that the nba and nfl are both over 90 percent vaccinated and i don't know what the factor is when you put in a booster because they don't release those numbers but i will say that taking the cdc guideline for vaccinated players and applying it to the entire league seems short-sighted and seems like an oversimplified version in a way that this could all go south really really fast so detention to both the nfl and nba on that all right another detention within the nba is going to go to Christian Wood, and I, and I know that people who know, listen to the show know I'm a Rockets fan, and they talked about the Rockets things that went down on Saturday night, so let's break that down a little bit. For those of you that did not hear the whole story on Saturday night, the Rockets were leading the Denver Nuggets at the end of the first quarter. They went into halftime down 20. As far as we're watching on television, they came out almost at the buzzer to start the third quarter, like almost were late to the third quarter. They proceeded to go on and lose by 20, Christian Wood is on the bench the entire second half. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr., the team says it's being evaluated for a lingering leg injury. He's not on the bench in the second half. We find out after the game, through some leak, and I can get into all that in a minute if you'd like, that Christian Wood refused to go in the game in the second half. Uh, it was not injury management, as the team had said. That Kevin Porter Jr. left the premises after a big halftime spiel, and that there were words and heated exchanges throughout the team at halftime. Uh, different people have used different ad different adjectives to describe it, but what I will say here is that there seems to be a fairly consistent report amongst the leaks that Kevin Porter Jr. might have thrown something at assistant coach John Lucas. Same assistant coach John Lucas was pointing out that like Kevin Porter Jr. earlier this season cited as like helping save his life, right? So there seems to be some bubbling up of tensions there if you have followed kevin porter jr's career this is not the first time he's had a locker room altercation with coaching staffs or with official team officials but what i will say is that it looks like within hours or certainly by the next by sunday morning kevin porter jr had reportedly 
apologize to a lot of people within the Rockets organization. Sounds like a time where a kid that had, again, 21-year-old kid that has had a tumultuous life, like a crazy, crazy childhood, lost his father super young. That's why the name Junior is so, so important to him. He has some anger things going on, and he did legitimately, it sounds like, have an outburst. And it sounds like he left and needed to go cool down, left the premises, whatever. I'm not actually that upset about that. I hope he's doing better as we, you know, as you're listening to this, I hope he's doing in a better place than he was Saturday night. And frankly, I hope that for his own sake, like he is dealing with whatever he was dealing with that night. But Christian Wood, this is different. Christian Wood is a 26-year-old NBA player. He's played in the NBA for cumulatively about five years. He's been on a number of different teams and seen how teams work. And he has, since the rebuild started, become a de facto leader on the Houston Rockets. He also refused to shoot the ball for a half of a game earlier this year, also against Denver. Interestingly, this this game in question right here, he was entering it kind of questionable, had his minutes limited in the first half, and refused going in the second half because he just didn't want to play. There's also a fair amount of things, you know, if you want to buy into rumors, indicating that he might be the person leaking this information. This is all questionable behavior from a guy that, frankly, it sounds like is not up to being a leader of this team. He needs someone to be walking him through the things. This this attention, though, really goes to this idea that he is refusing to go in the game after early in the season, refusing to shoot the ball while in the game. It It's just all a bad look for a guy that, at 26 years old, is kind of supposed to be the leader of the Houston Rockets. I know the Houston Rockets are not very good. I know they're not winning a whole lot of games, but they do have promising young talent, and Wood is supposed to be one of the guys out there that's a while he hadn't been playing, while he hadn't played in a whole lot of games, is a quasi-veteran for this group. And after missing a lot of games with injury last year, and after being this kind of a leader this year, he's really tanking his own value. He gets a new contract in a year and a half for whatever team he's playing on. I say that because it looks like people are like ramping up trade talks surrounding his name. And I just... <sighs> I just can't believe that this is really the way he needs to be conducting himself. This is not the same kind of thing where Kevin Porter Jr. has all those anger things from growing up and his his lifestyle growing up. This is not necessarily the same kind of thing where like he seems like to be in the right. He was his effort was questioned by coaching staffs at halftime. So we say not to play in the second half. I I just can't buy into this detention of Christian Wood. Seems like we need to sit there and think some about how we're leading the basketball team. All right, quickly, we've got two more detentions. One's going to go to the Mayo Bowl Bath. Yes, you heard that right, the Mayo Bowl Bath. Following their victory over the North Carolina Tar Heels in the Dukes Mayo Bowl, South Carolina coach Shane Beamer got a full tub of mayo. Think about like a Gatorade bath. They did that with mayo on coach Shane Beamer. I got a couple of things that factor in this attention. One, that on its own is just gross. Like, like we don't need to go in that. That's too much mayo. It's a lot of grossness, all that. Second, they kind of hit him with the tub as they're tipping it over because mayo was much hell, much heavier than Gatorade and ice are. They end up hitting him a little bit on the head with the tub and it, it gets everywhere and it is it, disgusting. So attention to all of that. I understand that we have all these bowl games, that Herb Street thinks we don't love. But man, this seems like a little bit excessive detention to the Mayo Bowl bath, or at least the way it happened this time around. Last detention of a long gold star in detention segment goes to Antonio Brown. So I don't know if you're living under a rock, you might not have seen, but Antonio Brown had quite the outburst on Sunday. Now, I'm not sure where all to go with this, but what I will say is a couple things. One... It does look like Mike Evans was trying to calm him down before this got as out of hand as it did. Second, if you did not see the clip, Antonio Brown takes off his jersey and pads, drops him on the sideline, takes off his shirt, throws in the stands, takes off his glove, throws in the stands, and then dances across the New York Jets end zone on his way out the stadium. So much so that security initially started to react as if it was a streaker, but then it's, oh wait, that's a player from the game. We technically, he's allowed to be down here. I hate to jump to something like a mental health breakdown. I will say that Antonio Brown had his own traumatic upbringing, living in out of the cars and, and those kinds of things. You know, South Florida kid, 
we've all seen some of the crazy, crazy things that have happened in his NFL career thus far. This seems to be a nail in the coffin, at least for the near future of any football career left in Antonio Brown. Bruce Arians did say after the game that he will no longer be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. It does look like the Bucs actually end up winning that game with a touchdown thrown to his replacement. So that that's a, its own weird level of pain, but justification and so on. I, I don't know. Um, I, I hate to jump to the mental health place of this Antonio Brown thing, but I also don't know what, like, he clearly is, that's, it looks like an outcry. It looks like, like, help me. Like, I, I, I don't know where to go with this. But I will say is that whatever the case may be, doing this on the sideline, doing this through the end zone, and quitting on the team, for whatever the cause is, are detention-worthy things. Like, it's not the same as having an outburst in the locker room after the fact. It's not the same as having the big scuffle at practice. It's, not, it's its own level of selfishness and different. And while what he's doing in detention may be different depending on what the initial root cause of this is, we are going to give Antonio Brown detention after what happened on Sunday. All right, so that was a long Gold Stars and Detention segment, but we have a fun episode the rest of the way left for you. We're going to look at a handful of different New Year's resolutions or second semester goals for your favorite teams and players. So without further ado, let's dive in to a few of them. Okay, Parker, so the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beards between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make bombs, they even have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it helps <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. All right, so we have a number of different New Year's resolutions or second semester goals for your favorite teams and players submitted via Twitter. So without further ado, let's dive right into the first one. The first resolution is, or I should say second semester goal, is that the University of Kentucky gets in the SEC football championship. All right, so let's break down how would this happen? What kind of tangible things can the University of Kentucky do for this goal to happen. First of all, they're in the SEC East and they came in second in the SEC East in 2021. So in 2022, they'd be trying to leapfrog Georgia and get into the title game. Worth pointing out, they did have a top 10 recruiting class as per rivals rankings. They had nine four stars, ten, uh, 10 of the three stars, and six players in the ESPN's top 300. I will say Georgia still ranks ahead of them in all of those things. They were number two in the SEC East last year. If they can beat Mississippi State and win that Tennessee rivalry game next season, the only other questionable game does come down to, yes, that big, looming Georgia game. They have that Georgia game at home next year. You have to think a number of the current Georgia guys could go pro. But I also kind of think Kentucky probably does too. Obviously, losing running back Chris Rodriguez will hurt the Wildcats. In his four years at Kentucky, he's accumulated 2,700 yards rushing and another 75 receiving. He's really a downhill running style back. Uh, I, I will say that I guess he doesn't have to leave, although I would imagine a running back with four years of college football under his belt is probably trying to get paid, especially one that had 1,300 yards on the ground last season. Now, if they can keep transfer quarterback 
Will Levi on the sidelines next season. He came from Penn State. Uh, he did start all 13 games for Kentucky and completed 66% of his passes for 2,800 yards. If he can maintain that like same level of production or better next season, I really do think it's worth pointing out that they might have an upswing, an upswing from second to first in the SEC East. I don't know, but I, I will say that theoretically that should at least be enough to make it to where they can beat the, if they can keep on to Will Levi, enough to beat a team like Tennessee and a team like Mississippi State. They just then have to turn around and beat Georgia. Georgia's big run this year was led by, until the SEC title game, a historic defense their top five tacklers on that historic defense are all pro eligible and i would imagine all turn pro kind of regardless of the outcome against alabama and the NCAA title game because i don't know that their stock will necessarily be higher a year from now so why wouldn't they go pro i will say that as i look at the georgia roster i don't think it's like they have some big drop off um i i think that it's you know, it's still like likely that they would be favored in any game against Kentucky next year. Now, we saw A&M beat Alabama earlier this year. Upsets happen in college football every year. After all, they are all college kids playing. So if Kentucky can handle business in the Mississippi State game, in the Tennessee game, they run the kind of running attack where, truthfully, once they get up, it, it would be hard for Georgia to come back. And so I will say that's a feasible goal. That's how I could see it outlined and happening. It's not one I'd put money on in Vegas, but it is one I could see happening. Shout out to the big UK Wildcats. What up, Shaka Cummings? All right, our next resolution is that the LA Lakers find some way to get younger and more energetic. Now, the current LA Lakers are led by LeBron James, who we mentioned in our Gold Star segment is playing out of his mind, especially at a historic pace for a 37-year-old player. How many times can you say that a guy is 37? But he also is putting up things like 43 points on New Year's Eve. The Lakers are the oldest team with an average age of 30. They also have some, like, I say pieces that don't seem to match up, whether that's Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis or whatever the case may be. Uh, they currently sit just a game below, as I'm recording this, I should say, they sit just a game below 500 in seventh place in the West, which would make them, again, a team in the play-in tournament. You can't think that that's what LeBron James wants to do. I don't imagine LeBron wants to play extra games heading into the playoffs. So the question comes in, it'd be how would they make this team realistically younger? Well, as you look at their roster, they've got, you know, Carmelo Anthony is contributing a lot at 37. LeBron James is contributing a lot at 37. Malik Monk is just 23. I don't think you're trying to cut ties with him. They're playing Aver badly a lot. He's 31. They haven't really played Dwight Howard much, but he is 36. DeAndre Jordan playing some minutes, but LeBron the five, he hadn't played a whole lot. He's 33. Wayne Ellington's 34, Kent Bazemore's 32. Those are the kinds of guys, those role players, you got to find new homes for if you want to maintain and keep LeBron and those guys on the team and also get younger, which I think is the goal as I read this resolution. So theoretically, you'd see some sort of a package deal to move on from Avery Badley, Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan, and Wayne Ellington before the All-Star break, before the trade deadline. I will say one thing that makes this much easier for the Lakers to factor in is if, in absentia of Anthony Davis, you can play LeBron at the five, you don't need DeAndre and Dwight on the roster anymore because you just need one of them to maybe spell Anthony Davis. You also have the small lineup with LeBron at the five, and all of a sudden, those guys are sitting around watching basketball games. I don't know what team will take them, and I don't know what you'll get back for them, but those are the kinds of trade pieces I see them needing to move. I also could just see them moving someone like Darren Collison and Avery Bradley in a package with Malik Monk and bringing back some younger wing player, and then the team theoretically getting the Malik Monk is thinking they've got some sort of a piece for their own team. I, I just don't know how many, again, trade partners are out there for these types of pieces then you jump into well what about their more known pieces could they potentially actually move russell westbrook in that giant contract at the trade deadline i i just don't see it happening could they move carmelo anthony as productive as he's been 
could they move Carmelo Anthony because someone might actually want him on their team? I, I just don't see that happening. I, I just don't know how this resolution or second semester goal happens for the Lakers. I, I could see it happening, if anything, just because it seems to always happen for LeBron. We saw it happen in Cleveland. We moved out half the team midseason that went to the finals. Uh, we've seen it happen in Miami, where between the first championship run that they lost to Dallas and the last championship run where they lost to San Antonio, more than 10 players, more than 10 roster I should say, changed over, right? That's a very, very different team by the fourth championship run. I just I can't foresee, unless it's some team that actually wants a package around DeAndre Jordan or a package around Dwight Howard, or whatever the case may be, I just don't see how it happens. It would take something like a disgruntled, we mentioned Christian Wood, Christian Wood in our detentions. You know, does does he find his way to L.A. because hometown kid DeAndre Jordan wants to come back to Houston and they find some some sort of a thing there? Do they finally get Dame Lillard upset enough in Portland that he wants to find his way to L.A. He's an Oakland kid, but that's not that's not so far away. The Lakers are a dream team for most California kids. They find some way to get a Bradley Beal because Washington's like, you know what, this is this was fun, and that start of the season thing was fun while it lasted, but it's not really working the same way anymore. I, I don't know how those things work out. It seems like it'll take a disgruntled star on another team to get swapped for those pieces, and I don't know that they necessarily get to pick who that guy is. The only reason I'm not betting against this happening is because they've got LeBron. All right, our next resolution comes from an Eagles fan asking if the Eagles keep doing what they're doing, which is scraping by and kind of clawing their way into a wild card seat in the playoffs. Uh, as we record this, they did just beat the Washington football team and have a big showdown with the Dallas Cowboys next weekend. Uh, I, I will say that Jalen Hurts has grown up a lot in his first full season as the starter. I also think it's interesting to watch the way that they play football games because they don't seem to do the same thing week to week. Some weeks they seem to be a run-heavy team. Some weeks they let him air it out to Devontae Smith. And I guess that I guess that, that could work and make their way into the playoffs. Now, to keep on doing what they're doing longer term, because again, there's a lot more football games left in the fall of 22 than there are in the winter of 22. It looks like to me they're going to need to continue to build around Jalen Hurts' strengths. I think he's done enough in his first full year as a starter for them to feel comfortable moving forward with him. That means getting some youthful tight ends, right? They got rid of Ertz. They want to bring in some guys to replace them. That's fine. They need to make sure they put the right kind of guys that can you know, maybe not burners that go 4-4. They don't need receivers like that, but they do need someone that can both block when Hurts is a runner and go and catch passes in the play-action game. Uh, they need some other receiver to pull coverage off of Devontae Smith. I do think we're going to get to the point early in Devontae's career where he becomes a must-double-him kind of guy. If he's going to become a must-double-him must kind of guy, then theoretically, you're going to have to have someone to make the defense pay when they're doubling Devonta. He's leading them in most receiving categories, and I'd imagine that that continues for the majority of his career as long as he's an eagle. He's got some great chemistry with Jalen Hurts, obviously, that dates back to the Alabama days, but I think that you've got to find some underneath-type guy to make sure they take coverage off of him or make them pay what they don't. And then you also need the tight ends that play into a Jalen Hurts style of offense. I think that they seem to be dedicated to that, but that's how I see this team continue to, quote, do what they're doing. As far as the playoff goes, if they're happy in their first full season of Jalen Hurts making the playoffs as a wild card team, next season I would assume they at least want to make it more securely. They're kind of at that fringe right now, but they may make it, they may not. And I think that next season they want to at least be more secure, if not win the NFC East, because the NFC East seems to have a different winner every year and continue to grow from there. But if they're trying to follow that upward trajectory, I, I think they're really a lot more focused on draft and free agency and next fall because i think that this season seems to be kind of wrapped up as far as the direction it's going i don't see them making some big crazy playoff run i just don't and so that's where i see that one going all right the resolution we have from a steelers fan is to get a new quarterback and the shame here is is that i'd agree not only is big ben literally going to be done it sounds like this is the last season he probably should have been done a while back. What what I will say in looking at the Steelers is I don't know who that quarterback is going to be. So I would look at is 
this Aaron Rodgers development in Green Bay real? Is he going to potentially end up leaving? I could see him fitting in the Steelers in a lot of different ways on the field, right? Him playing with Juju, him playing with Claypool, him playing with that offensive line, him playing with Najee in the backfield. Those things seem to fit to me. What doesn't fit to me is Aaron Rodgers and Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin doesn't seem to be the kind of guy that's going to appreciate the uh, Aaron Rodgers nuance, for lack of a better st- lack of a better phrase. But what I will say is that on the field stuff is so good for the that matchup that that may trump all of the other options. I also look at other other quarterbacks that may be available. Like, do they go get a Russell Wilson to come in? Russell Wilson is maybe not as good as a fit as Aaron Rodgers in the on-the-field stuff because who could be, but Russell Wilson's a good fit. He's still a big receiver like Claypool would fit, kind of like the way that DK Metcalf fit. A fast receiver like Juju Smith-Schuster may fit in the same kind of way that a Tyler Lockett or somebody like that fits in. The other thing I think that's bigger here than Rodgers is Russell Wilson between the years fits perfectly with a top a Mike Tomlin style team, right? All football, all the time, very vanilla, very plain, doesn't leak anything to media, not a big show, show, rah, rah, that kind of stuff guy. And is also going to like super genuinely believe in the most cliche type of things. Like I think that those are actually a very, very good pairing. And so I could see that happening as well. And I think that that's actually potentially because of the fit with Tomlin, maybe an even better look than in Rogers. If Russell Wilson really does want out of Seattle, the unfortunate thing for the Steelers and drafting a quarterback, something like that is I, I don't see this rookie class of quarterbacks having the same kind of oomph that we just had from all the guys drafted last year. There's not a Mac Jones. There's not a Trey Lance upside. There's not a Zach Wilson upside. There, there doesn't seem to be those kinds of guys. I will say that they might want to go like the trade up and get the Kenny Pickett route because he's from Pittsburgh and all those kinds of things, but... I don't know if he's worth trading up for. I don't think that Malik Willis at Liberty is worth trading up for. I I look at what's potentially going to fall to them at quarterback and don't think since there's, since there's not a whole lot of depth at this quarterback class, don't think it's necessarily worth taking quarterback for quarterback's sake. But I also know that they don't want to just try out Mason Rudolph another year. And, and so if they, if they strike out in free agency, I don't know what they're going to do for a new quarterback. They need one, and I think that's a good resolu- resolution to have and a, a second-semester goal for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I, I don't know where it comes from. Our next resolution comes from Ryan McCarthy of the No Credentials Required podcast. Uh, what I will say is, honestly, this is a great take, and I, su- I would encourage you to go support that show because of the way it plays into this resolution. McCarthy asks that we pay more attention to your local sports teams. That means support your smaller, nearby club teams. Go to the group of five college football team down the road next fall. Go check out how much fun that student section is having. WNBA team this summer, go check it out. Go find your Arena League team in the spring when it's time for the Arena League to come back. Go watch that minor league baseball baseball club down the road. Go do those kinds of things to support the sport at its almost purest form because it's not the big commercialized NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball. Go support the local teams to the best that you can. The other half this support your local sports teams thing I like here is I don't need to see a bunch of Lakers fans in Dallas. You ain't from LA, you're from Dallas. I don't need to see a bunch of Knicks fans in Minnesota. You ain't from New York, you're from Minnesota. I don't need to see a bunch of Patriots fans in Northern Florida. You're from Northern Florida. You got Tommy. You got Tommy Brady behind you. I don't need to see all these Patriots fans in Northern Florida. I need to see te- people continue to cheer for where they're from. That's part of the fun of this sports thing is you get to cheer for the teams from the places that you're from. That's how a guy like me gets stuck with all of the Houston chaos. Oh, the Houston chaos that's happened in the last three years good thing we have texas no we have texas football oh god the last decade of texas see those kinds of things the pain of those local teams is what you're supposed to have in sports so shout out to ryan mccarthy for a great resolution here all right second last resolution is that the warriors need to pick a date and stick to it for clay thompson's return now 
I think what's interesting here is looking at Clay's return is that he's looked to be coming back in the early part of January, the first half of January 2022. If they just had stuck with that date once upon a time, there probably is no confusion here that always seemed like it should have been the date. There was just this weird hope recently that he might have come back in December. He might come back. Like They should have never had that kind of stuff come out. They should have just stuck with mid-January 2022. And then if he came back on January 3rd, it would have felt really, really cool. So as far as the resolution goes, I think that this speaks to a broader thing and that teams need to just be honest about what's happening there, right? Like guys need to understand that teams need to understand that they're not going to be able to force these guys up and speed up science. Clay Thompson needed a full year. He, again, he had another major leg injury. He's coming back from two in a series of three years. He needs to come back when his body's really healthy. Leaking these things and trying to force it to happen quickly doesn't help anyone. I, I think this is the kind of thing that's going to work itself out, though, when he comes back by the end of the month. So as far as the resolution goes, really falls to the franchise and more like be honest. All right, our last resolution, and an interesting one, comes from a Bulls fan that asked the Chicago Bulls to take advantage of the clout they've built up through the buyout market when the time comes. Here's what I will say about the Bulls and the franchise as they're building it. This does look like a fun team to play for. And I think that this fan is right. They need to really lean in to being that fun team to play for. Because, frankly, Chicago isn't some free agent destination. Like, Dwayne Wade wanted to go there once upon a time because he was from there. And there are a number of different players from there. I mean, you could talk about Anthony Davis and those kinds of things. Not that he's a buyout candidate. But without being from there, what's your incentive to go spend the coldest six months of the year in Chicago. Like, what what else is going to bring you to there? Yes, baseball season is fun, but that's the opposite side of the year of the time you're an NBA player. You can live in Chicago in that offseason if you really want to for whatever reason. As far as attracting NBA players, this gets to be a little bit more complicated. I will say that if they have a fun team, that could be different. Like, if, if Billy Donovan can turn into being a fun type of coach to play for, it can at least come off like that at the buyout market. They may be able to pull in the types of guys that, like, Brooklyn did a year ago. If DeRozan and Levine and Ball can continue to look like they're having fun as backcourt players, maybe they can pull in those rotational pieces for the 6th, 7th, 8th men to come off the bench and help them out. Same with Caruso. If he looks the kind of guy that he wants to play with. If Nikola Vucevic can continue to be the kind of fun, crafty, big, I mean, oh, it's weird to think of him as a 10-year pro, but he's kind of built up some cred in the league as a guy that does his job. If he can have more personality and have fun with it the way that Lonzo lobs to Zach Levine are, if they can become a fun team to be a part of, they really might pull in buyout-type guys the way Milwaukee and Brooklyn did last year. Right, Last year it felt like an arms race between Brooklyn and LA, Milwaukee got a couple trades down the stretch that really helped them flip things around too. If they can build up that kind of a resume, they really might be able to make a real push for this. I will say that I think Bulls fans are going to be disappointed if they keep the same roster and don't add anything to it because, yes, they sit atop the East right now, but there are like playoff ready teams that are built for the playoffs and stuff like that. And they're not the Knicks from a year ago, but they could have the same kind of disappointment with a second round exit, I think. And so they will need to do something at trade deadline at buyout market to keep that from happening. And I think that this fan is right. If they can continue to build off of the clout that they've got, the fun they have, the DeMar DeRozan buzzer beaters and back-to-back days and so on, and really build a fun atmosphere, they might be able to pull in some of those veterans. Like, ooh, let's go join the Chicago Bulls and join the history and those kinds of things. So I think that's fair. And I think the way they do it is by having personality and spunk. they got a bunch of guys like Vucevic, DeRozan, and even Donovan to an extent that coach Billy Donovan, I should say that all have like very monotone, cool, calm, collected. Don't show a ton of emotion. Like, no, like let that out, let that out and be a part of that fun atmosphere that like Zach Levine's playing style wants to do. And you really might be able to pull somebody in. (laughs) Friends. That was another edition of F in sports. Do you feel like you have some idea of what you want your team to be doing in the second half of the school year as we set some new semester goals or 
I guess, a New Year's resolution for the year 2022. If you think of one, make sure to find us on Twitter at FNSports2 and let us know what you're thinking about for your team. Maybe it gets its way into another episode someday. Again, that's at F-I-N-S-P-R-T-S number two on Twitter. We're also on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. So make sure you follow us there and let us know what you're thinking as far as resolutions for your favorite players or teams. Looking for me and my personal stuff, you can always find that at Painsworth 512 It's at P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H-512 on Twitter and Instagram. That's where I'll be sharing the latest things as far as things I've been writing, recording, working on, L's on sneakers, disappointed th- thoughts about the Houston Rockets, and so on. You can find all those things at Painsworth 512 on Twitter and Instagram. Again, the show is at FN Sports 2 on Twitter and at F underscore N underscore sports on Instagram. Through those social media handles, you'll be able to find all the links to our sponsors and the links to our merch store. Yes, we are running a very special role models campaign for the Big Brothers Big Sisters of America Foundation this January as it is National Mentorship Month. And so we're going to help support those mentors over there. Make sure you grab a shirt, sweatshirt, etc. to support Big Brothers Big Sisters of America. Make sure that wherever you're listening to this on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you like subscribe rate review do all those wonderful things that help out the podcast and whatever you do when it comes to sports don't flunk with us later guys Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.